0: Hello there and welcome to episode 4 of Huge Ass Paddock Pass. I'm your host Tom Ellison, with me is Andrew Fawcett. How's it going? And Alex Cofford. Yo. So how are we doing today chaps?
1: Doing good, doing good. Glad to be back for episode 4.
0: Yeah, there's been a bit of a bit of a gap since uh, we last released an episode, um, because we've been busy. We uh, have as we intimated at the, uh, the end of the last episode, uh, we were building up for the great, heroic 2019 return to the track of Hugh ass at uh, Watkins Glen Champ Car Series. So, uh, how did that go, guys?
1: <laughs> Splendid. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a lesson in patience and a lesson in the joys of racing. <laughs> the That's joys our... of racing being the operative uh, term here, I think. Yes. Um, um,
0: so, well, let's, let's, let's go through it chronologically. Um, yes, chronologically, so I, I believe Andrew, you were in the team car coming up from Richmond.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was with the, the team. I I live close to Alex where he has the car, so I was with the, the team, the car all the way up to uh, Watkins Glen. So the car was supposed to be on a dyno for a tune on Wednesday before the race, um, and there was a few issues with the car, and they were unable to. Tune the car. Basically, um, there was too many things going wrong. So Alex, who was working on the car, took it back to his house and was fiddling with it. And basically, we packed the car up on Wednesday night, and it wasn't running very well at all. And we really didn't have any dyno time on it. And so it wasn't was, even—it wasn't really even idling at that point, right? Right, right. It, we, we, we couldn't really get a title. So, that was kind of the thing. So, we packed the car up Wednesday, like, super late. We leave Thursday morning to go to Watkins Glen, eight and a, eight and a half, nine-hour drive up there. Um, we get there at about 5.30. We start working on the car um, in the parking lot outside the track, just trying to get it to, to run and stuff. So, we got it to idle pretty good, actually. Um, but it was still... it would The Dino Tune was not there. So, we... We're having issues, and basically, we spent quite a few hours fiddling with it, and it would cut out at high load, uh, at higher RPM, and it was kind of hard for us to really <laughs> diagnose in the moment, just because we were in a park, like a grass paddock area, like parking <laughs> lot kind of thing. <laughs> you you were um, in a garage. So. We weren't in a garage. Yeah, we were just like unloaded the car onto a grass parking lot, and we're fiddling with it. We we actually had done we. Figured out a few things, um, but then we, we kind of packed everything up, showed up Friday in the morning, waited in line, got the car into the track, waited in tech, got the car teched, and it wasn't until probably like 11, 11 maybe, in the in the morning, and so we actually got the car <laughs> into our garage stall and were able to start doing more and more work for the test day on Friday, right. um, and then, yeah, basically spent all friday troubleshooting um the dino tune alex had spent the the night before going through like 30 pages of data in the tune to try to (laughs) find there and there was quite a few things that that to go through so we just all friday basically found little things here and there um and then we uh was friday the day we had the battery issue was that so
0: yeah So I'll I'll join the story at this
1: point. You were at the track (laughs) Um, at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I I left New York City um, early, early Friday morning. Uh, It's about a four-hour drive up to, exactly four-hour drive up to Watkins Glen. I was aiming to do it in under four hours. um, And got an early start, was up to the track by about nine. Is it? And drive in to this wonderful facility. Always lovely to be back upstate in New York and find the car teams in the garage and the car is still not running Uh, that was the morning of the Friday so we worked on it there was a champ car practice session that afternoon um, that we had naively hoped that we could get the car running and out on track for and that failed to materialize and so I think at
1: that point we diagnosed a alternator issue, is that correct? Uh, Yeah, we we, we definitely had figured it out the alternator shoe after taking a road trip to get a new one and a new battery because the original alternator like completely fried the existing battery well
0: yeah i mean originally we had this alternator on the car that fried the battery right and it was it was venting to the atmosphere on fire and that's not a good thing (laughs) i believe well you don't you don't want smoke coming out of the battery you don't want smoke coming out of the battery generally that's that's not a great thing um and then we took an alternator off Evan's car. Evan's another of our teammates who lives near to the circuit, who drives a, a Mazda NA Miata. Um, I had jokingly named it the parts car before we got to the track, and that's what it turned out to be. We took an <laughs> alternator off it, swapped it over, put it on the car, and that seemed to fix the battery problem. But by that point, we'd already fried the existing battery. Um, so... Yeah. So Friday. So we now we're at Friday afternoon. And we're taking this chronologically. We're at Friday afternoon. Practice session is going on. Car is nowhere near out on track. Um, we've changed the alternators over, and we've got it to idle now. The car is idling, okay, but it's still misfiring, cutting out completely at higher revs, higher loads. So we think, okay, this ECU has a auto tune facility that we can give it. You know, give it some running at certain rpms at certain yeah basically specific it, characteristics
1: it, it figures out what it, it needs. It's not like an ideal situation but it, it will generate a, a tune that is passable right um, but to do that you need to
0: have the car running on a you know in, in, a, in a stable condition um, which is not obviously what you can do on a track that with open passing with a lot of other competitors. Nor is it something, as we found out, that you can do in the access roads around Watkins Glen International. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which, then we determined that, well, it's Friday afternoon before Memorial Day. I wonder if there's anywhere with a dynamometer open near the circuit. So we put together... I I put together a list of uh, Google searches. We did a series of phone calls where people... Either didn't pick up at all, or told me I was mental for calling for such an late <laughs> hour. Uh, until we found a shop in Rochester, an hour and a half from the circuit, that had a dyno. They didn't have a guy that could tune cars because they didn't know uh, that ECU specifically. But they said we offer dyno time. We're open till six. If you can get here, then you're free to use it and do what you need to do. So I think it was decided very quickly after we learned that fact to pack the car back into the trailer. Yep, and. Set off to Rochester. Yep. So Alex and uh, and Michael set off mm-hmm. um, to the dyno um, and did some running there. Let the autotune do its thing and see if we could come up with anything that was working. And I think they, you know they did some good work there. They yeah, did I think some runs. To they definitely made some, to some, definitely made some progress. Definitely made some progress. Definitely made some progress. The car was running a lot smoother when we got it back. Um, at which point, uh, when they finished up, we got a. A phone call from them as they were on their way back, saying, "Okay, we definitely need a
1: new alternator. We need a new battery." Right. At which At which point, road trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we dispersed the the team the the team at the track that was doing nothing, and uh, we went and found a battery from our lovely friend Mario Korf, who is a fellow Champ Car racer that lives very close to the track, and he. Very graciously lent us. He also lent us a wideband, or he sold us a wideband um, O2 sensor, um, but he also uh, lent us an alternator and he was very, very helpful in um, giving us anything we need. So we went to his house, picked up a. Yeah, we went yeah, to, went to several parts
0: cars to pick up an alternator. Yep. Um, and we went to AutoZone to buy a battery. Yes. And then we went back to the track. At which yep. point the race car had just gotten back and we installed these things and. Uh, the car was running okay at that point. It was idling yeah. correctly. It was, you know, it was revving nicely. We couldn't do much testing, obviously, because it's the paddock at Watkins Glen. The track shut, and the access roads have scary security men on them. Yep.
1: But... And you can't, you can't like really get out of third gear, you know. In a, they're they're the roads around the inside of the track are, you know, they're like back country roads, except for they're very short and. You know, there's yeah. big trucks and stuff.
2: You know, it's just it's like they laid down the pavement, but they never rolled it or anything. It's just <laughs> RVs that are going right, two that, miles yeah. an hour to it's also, yeah. That would have been a waste of time. <laughs> right.
1: It's just not the best pavement or, you know, ideal place. It's the racetrack, you know, the best pavement <laughs> on the racetrack. Yeah. They concentrated their, their money
0: in their facilities where it should go, which is right. on the racing it, surface. Which exactly. makes sense. Yep. We, we, can't, we can't fault them for that. Yeah. However annoying it may be, if we're trying to test a race car in between right. sessions. Um, so I so think
1: go, I think the general yeah. mood on on Friday night was optimism. Like I would say, I just s- said so. Skeptical optimism. Like um, we were working quite late, yeah. getting everything set. Like we I, I, I think we were in the paddock and the garage area, and we. I think the reason I felt at least a little bit more optimistic is that there was e thirty. Uh, uh, car uh, there was an e30 team like across the garage area that was changing a head on their car there was right. a few teams down the down the way that had the engine out of their car you know i'm like well at least at least our engines like you know still in we don't not, it's, like, still, it's still there it's still intact yeah we're not like elbows deep in you know engine swap
2: <laughs> and at this time i showed up and it right. seems like it seems like at this point it started to kind of turn the corner a little bit towards like maybe we can do this uh, Jim was working on the car with a handful of people and I think the ECU ground was not ideal and there are some things that were happening that led towards maybe some good thoughts leading into Saturday yeah
0: yeah the thing the thing was that we kept finding issues that we could fix yes. and that that lends itself to a sense of security saying okay we found the definite issue you know this ground wire is not grounding itself in the correct position. This sensor is not working so we need to replace it. This battery is yeah. messed up so we need to replace it. We were finding definitive mechanical issues that we knew how to fix. And we were making progress. And every time we started the car, after fixing one of those issues, it ran a little sweeter. It ran a little better. Yeah. Um,
2: I felt pretty good because I was like, oh, I show up and it's starting to run better?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I,
0: you were very much a lucky charm in that respect. Confred. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, at that point, uh, this is I think uh, Cofford was the last arrival of the team on the Friday night after
1: a
2: mammoth drive. So how long did it take you to get up there? It was about ten and a half hours. uh, But one of the guys with us, Alex Bueller, he drove the night before 12 hours to get to my house.
0: So he did 12 hours to get to your house and then 10 hours as a passenger to get to Watkins Glen.
2: Yep. And then same thing on the way back, too. So he had... 48 hours of driving in six days
1: yeah that's but a lot
2: i, I want i want to point out that
0: we did all re- we did all recommend that he just fly <laughs> but i mean that probably hurt the cause
1: yeah Telling yeah.
2: him to fly like that's a surefire yeah. way to get him to not fly yeah. i
0: will say that Hugh ass is never knowing the uh the re- recipient of good in- good advice or good information <laughs> no um, headstrong
2: people that have egos. And headstrong
0: people with egos and a willingness to do the impossible.
1: Yes. That's how we define ourselves, or do things in a more difficult way than they should be done. <laughs> than, they to, than they need. Than, to than be. they need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Combine all of that with a little bit of alcoholism, and yeah,
1: there go. That's
0: about it. Yeah. So speaking of which, Coffin <sighs> and crew
2: show up at about it was about midnight, wasn't it? I think it was about eleven. Yeah, and so I just, yeah, I think uh, at that point. Um, The guy that was on night duty at Watkins Glen kind of just had this glazed over look. And I was like, hey, dude, uh, the champ car stuff's closed. He asked if I had a pass. And I was just like, yeah, it's closed. I can go get one in the morning. He kind of stared at me. (laughs) I'm not sure if he heard me. I'm not sure if if he was, like, awake or sentient, like, I, it was really struggling, I was like, alright dude, I'll see you tomorrow We kind of, <laughs> I guess I'm just
0: gonna go in <laughs>
2: yeah, and man, I was like he was a, a suicide uh, prisoner on Death Watch, just he was, man, it was really rough, but yeah, we got in there, it was really late, um, but we showed up, we started cracking some beers and we did, the yeah. general mood at this point was optimism yeah. of of, okay, maybe we don't have it complete, but maybe we have we're we're maybe we're getting close yeah
1: so we went to bed on on the friday night feeling pretty good um we i'd set up my tent Crawford and i camped and and uh i woke up <laughs> saturday morning race day like r- first race day I, I i'm like just waking up i'm like rolling out of my cot and like starting to put my clothes on and I hear race car noises and I'm you know, I'm like I'm at the racetrack, it's like maybe seven thirty in the morning. I'm like, okay, you know, people are just warming up their cars, whatever. And then I hear like gravel like right outside of my tent with race car noises attached, and I was like, That's really weird. And then I hear our car revving to the rev limiter and then bouncing off the rev limiter, like two feet from my tent, and I'm like <laughs> Oh, I slept in too much. <laughs> That's Alex with the race car, you know. And I come telling out, telling you to get up. Yeah, I, take, well, I walk out the tent, and I'm like, you know, rubbing my eyes, just like it's race day. Let's go, you know. Like I'm like okay,
2: but then I hadn't seen Alex yeah. to this point, so I went out and was like, hey, what's up? Blah blah. Said hi to him and stuff. But throughout this whole thing, a Miata with I don't know is it straight pipe? Tom, do you uh,
0: There's a cat, but it's basically there's a cat weight. on it, but there's no muffler. It's, yeah. it's right outside our out. tent,
2: flooring it. Right, and I didn't realize till later. Bueller didn't even wake up.
1: I don't. What? How? He's, Have you met well, the kid? That's how
0: he missed. He missed. He missed his first Le stint this weekend by not waking <laughs> up. So I fully believe it.
1: Yeah, well. So anyway, the 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 funny thing about that is, is that when he revved it and then he when he zipped down the the the, the you know inside track roads back to the garage area it sounded really good it wasn't cutting out like it had been it wasn't doing anything wrong like it sounded really good so i'm like i was a little like peeved that i got woken up but i was like well i get what i deserve because i slept in too much but i was like happy i was like hey the car sounds really good so i walk over to the garage area we do like our normal morning like the race morning prep everyone kind of gets ready we set the tire pressures you know take everything down to the pit box like i'm feeling really good at this point so we take the car down there we decided we're going to roll off uh dead last so that we can uh, you know not have Aband- to
0: be... abandon ship it as an issue for right me. we don't want to
1: be in. we it's it's basically an untested car i mean we know that it works yeah. on the dyno and we know that it runs okay at low rpms and stuff but so we decided to roll off last in the garage so we're not like you know around a bunch of cars um so in my mind it was like a normal race start you know you get the driver alex gets in the car he, he you know everything's fine we test the radio um and then he rolls out of, of pit lane and I, i'm thinking you know it was pretty normal um yeah. but it was it was pretty clear that <laughs> the first time the field came by and our car wasn't at the end of it that uh there was an issue and uh he actually had, did he do a full out pace lap? I don't think he even did a full. Nope. He basically nope. he made it to the top of the yes the top of the is at Watkins Glen. There's a hole in the wall. Um, he drove through basically and, and drove back to the garage, and that kind of started the theme for the race days of, <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> for the weekend of of you know we fixed it. Oh no, we didn't. We fixed it. Oh no, we didn't.
0: Um, right, so it was very apparent, uh, getting to the top of the S's, following the field on the first base lap, that when pulling hard in third or fourth gear above a certain RPM, there was just no fuel delivery happening. Yeah, car was cutting out, and nothing was happening, and yeah. that's so obviously point, dangerous.
2: Yeah, at this point, Tom, you're your owner, part owner of you know the car and yep. and everything, financially invested, certainly. <laughs> at what point? obviously when he pulls it in not even completing a pace lap we know oh shit this isn't good but going back at what point were you like oh crap this might this might not be the most ideal weekend um
0: so actually personally speaking when we missed the dino day on wednesday okay so that's when the creeping thought was like oh and we missed it because i think the throttle position sensor was not operational need to be fixed, we need to get a spare off a parts car, and when we missed that, knowing is this that This had... Evan's parts car, by the way? It was not, I think it was Alex's spare parts car. We have, okay, we have yeah. a couple of shells up at the technology center that yeah. uh, we can scavenge parts off as necessary. Um, but it was, when that happened, because I knew that a dyno tune before the event would be ideal, because this is a new ECU, a new engine that we have very little knowledge of, when that was missed... I started to get a little creeping sensation that this was definitely not going to be an easy weekend that we've experienced previously, and so I sort of I stepped back from the heavy publicity that we normally do around these events. Like generally, we're we're proud of our team, right? We're always going to be proud of our team. Are we? And I'm proud of our team. Yeah, I'm proud of our team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of us are proud of our team. Um, and, so, and we'd like to publicize that. Like, we'll post on Reddit, we'll post on iRacing forums. Hey, you guys, we're going to be racing Watkins Glen this weekend. Watch yeah. the stream. It'd be great to have your support. We we, we push that out there so we can get some viewers, get some publicity, and uh, and show that we're proud to be a, a member of this endeavor. I did not post anything prior to this weekend about that. Yeah. yeah. Because I felt this is going to be a test weekend at best, this is going to be a, a massive disaster at worst.
2: Which we had talked about before within the team is Indy is the big one and then VIR is what we call homecoming where everyone tries to go to and stuff like that so Watkins was obviously don't get me wrong everyone wants to race everyone wants to drive you're not only owner but you would have drove as well it's a big deal but theoretically not theoretically but push come to shove we'd rather this happen at Watkins rather than the other two for this year yeah correct
0: um and so, I was mentally prepared for this weekend to be a test weekend. Uh, we're testing a new car, we're testing potentially some new drivers, and we were very... I was very prepared that this is not going to go as smoothly as perhaps previous events had. That said, it was still disappointing. Yeah. Um, so, we see Alex come off, pace lap of day one, return to the garage... And um, yeah, we had this fuel delivery issue. Yep. And then we got to work. Yep. And it was a series of finding flaws and issues with the car that did not solve the root cause of that issue. Like everything we looked at, we found another slight problem with. Um, so we'd look at wires, we'd look at sensors, we'd you know, plugs. Change plug the fuel gaps. pump. Yeah, like we changed the fuel pump. We looked at the spark plugs because, you know, tracing the fuel delivery issue from from start to finish, like plugs and injectors are a part of that. We looked at the plugs and the spark caps were, you know, not OEM spec. They were varying in quality. So okay, let's fix that. Maybe that solves the issue. Send the car out again. Does that fix it? No. Bring it back. Yeah. And that was really the the theme of, of Saturday was a series of un of unearthing issues with the car that none of us had ever thought to look for before. Yeah. But these were, you know, clutching at straws to see if we could find the, the issue. Yep.
1: So basically all Saturday, um, I think at one point we, the first issue we solved, I think we sent the car back out on track, um, after like a putt around the the garage area. Um, and it was very clear from the first time like we went back out on track after the initial issue that we we shouldn't go back out on track and do it again just because <laughs> it's not safe to do and you don't want to be the guy that brings out the yellow flag and and has to have a toe and right.
2: um, or you don't want to go you know corner exit and lose power
1: oh right yeah, in front of the car. yeah absolutely and there's a lot of quick right. cars out there and you, you definitely don't want to
0: there are a lot of quick cars and it's a race like yeah, we don't want to yeah, exactly we, it's not a track day yeah it's a race and we don't want to in, infringe and impose and impact anybody else's right. experience like we would be pissed we would issues. be pissed we'd if be some, so pissed if someone else did yeah, that to us exactly so it's um, only
1: fair that uh, we we abide by the same standards yeah so basically um all saturday and when i say all saturday i mean like from the moment we rolled the car out to go gr- to the pit area to drive it back, like, to drive it for the day to basically, into the evening, um, we had pizza delivered and and, and ate in the garage, the whole team ate in the garage Um, basically all day until 9 or 10 o'clock at night, we were where everyone was, you know, tag team working on the car, trying to find issues, you know, we'd find something you know, Evan would get in drive around the paddock, nope that wasn't it, you know, and then keep going and going and going, and that's basically, I mean it was all day, it was, like you know, it was a long day. Yeah, all day basically working on, and and we found you know we find a little thing here, find a little thing here, but but the, the root issue of the car losing power and cutting out was never really fully resolved. Um, right. So then we you know put everything away Saturday night Sunday rolled around. Um, I think everyone in the team was kind of knew what was coming. I I definitely was not optimistic that we would get on track, um, on, on Sunday. And, uh, basically we, we did the same thing Sunday morning. Um, we didn't roll it out to the, to the, um, pit lane, but we you know, continued to, to troubleshoot things and then try to figure things out. And, uh, we just, you know, we couldn't find anything. And then, um, about I think noon it was, Uh, we just decided kind of you know it's time it's not really worth it to continue to we're not going to find the problem now and we could mess with it and you know might get it out for a little bit of time but uh, we're not going to get it out and do much so we made the very sad decision to pack up the truck put the car on the trailer and uh and head out which was difficult it was it was it was, it was very it was. difficult it, it, it was like it, it was like retiring a car from an i racing special event but like <laughs> but magnified like 10 a lot more <laughs> yeah it was like that same bummed feeling but like way worse <laughs> <laughs> who um, knew have
0: the uh the i racing simulator would have been true to life yeah but yeah, it was it was a very difficult decision. And I think it was also very mentally hard on the team members that were there because this is the first really challenging weekend we've had with the yeah. car. All the other events we've done have run remarkably smoothly yeah. given the circumstances. Like, we've always, you know, even done when well. We've always completed our laps. We've always given our renters a full opportunity to complete their
2: stints. Yeah, even when the diff blows at hour 23... You've ran twenty three hours and everyone's right. got a full experience minimum. Yeah,
0: and um, we still we still you know we were still classified in that race. Yep, and even in our first ever race, we ran twelve hours. We ran eleven hours thirty minutes at a VIR North, and sorry VIR South. And it was fine. Like that was our first ever race, and we did remarkably well. And the car was reliable. And this was a real kick in the teeth that yeah. actually you know the racing gods do not always allow you to to have a trouble-free weekend
1: yeah definitely like this is the first time we've had a significant like lack of track time like in those other instances we might have lost an hour or a half hour whatever but this was like a like after the first day i was like we missed 10 hours of racing today or yeah 10 hours or 7 yeah, seven well, hours, four hours more. practice yeah, on Friday, and then
0: seven hours on the Sunday. But yeah, so like, eleven hours total. Right.
1: So that was that was like, we're in for the long haul here. Like we're in for you know, um, but yeah. So it overall, it was just. I think that the the most used war phrase maybe during the whole weekend was "that's racing." You know, like, yeah, that's sometimes that's what happens you know some days it is some days you finish fourth in your class in a 24-hour race and everyone does really well and some days you do their fastest lap on the day the weekend is a 30-minute lap which isn't even a full lap because you brought the car to the garage (laughs) you know halfway through it so the transponder um but yeah that's, that's, the opposite. That's the opposite
2: side is, uh, I, I'm blanking on the car, but right in front of us in the garage, I think it was a BMW, had smashed up its right side yep. so bad, and and then another BMW that I believe had been torn apart by some wreck. I I don't know if they're same team or different team. I think they're different teams. They came they, together they and tried to. Teams, yeah. yeah, they tried to come together and build this frankenstein crap car (laughs) to get out there and they're welding and changing engines i mean when they were pulling out the welder to cut stuff i was like i would have bet every dollar i've ever made my entire life that car would not even come close to the track
1: yep when that car came in on the flatbed i was like there's no way that thing's gonna race again (laughs) and sure sure enough, enough (laughs)
2: Sunday, probably, I don't know, I think at like 11 o'clock with a lot of time left. It went out and, uh, man, talk about testament to multiple teams coming together to get a car to run. It was, I I was amazed at that car ever even driving again in remotely the same condition. So I
1: agree. That car Rolling like when I was there when they rolled it in on the on the on the flatbed, I'm like that car's never going to race again, period. And then to see it not sitting there the next day and seeing it racing out on track, I that that was really hard to see too because I was like those guys destroyed that car and it's still out <laughs> on track racing, and our car is perfectly clean sitting here and it's not out on track racing, and it made me a little angry. I was just like really
0: it did but that's uh, as they say that's that's racing this is a theme we come back to time and again and we said a lot of times last weekend
2: that's racing and there was another BMW that got pummeled and uh, Alex went up to him and hey what happened and the answer was driver doesn't know okay well what corner was it the answer was driver doesn't know did you guys get hit driver doesn't know (laughs) And okay, that that I driver just... has a concussion
0: and he's going to hospital. That's what we're saying.
2: He's either not suitable to drive a race car or now he's not suitable to drive a race car uh, they're, because they're, of an injury.
0: I mean, Watkins Glen itself has a justifiable reputation as one of the tougher tracks in, in North America. And it's due to the fact that a lot of the corners are very fast and a lot of the runoff is very minimal. And when Champ Car races there with 108 cars or however many... Out on track of drivers with differing experiences and cars of differing preparations. Yep. Then there are going to be incidents, and at Watkins Glen maybe more so than somewhere like Sebring or or even maybe even even Road Atlanta, although they're fairly similar tracks. Like, yeah. if you have an off at Watkins Glen, you are likely going to hit something solid. Yeah.
2: You go into the S's uh, Road Atlanta, you have plenty. Of grass to I'm not saying you're going to catch it or slow down, but there's there's, there's time
0: a there's time to adjust and time to react. Yeah, you're at, at going Glenn, into the
2: chute at Watkins and you come in way too hot. Well, you got a tire barrier to greet you, right? Yeah.
0: And we saw that we saw there a lot. There were a fair few instances of Champ Car, at uh, the Champ Car race at the weekend. But what brought it home to me while we were working the garage was that there was still a atmosphere of can-do racing pervading the, the paddock, and that was really gratifying to see. I mean, speaking personally from our team, we had a lot of people come over, offer their assistance. We were able to go over to other teams and ask, hey, do you guys you know, have you had any experience with these ECUs? Do you have any uh, advice for us at the moment? And people were very kind and willing with their time to, to try and assist. Uh, Jay Morney, who's the, uh, the chief uh, examiner of technical... Officer of Champ Car, you know, came over to check on us periodically to see how we were doing. Lent us, you know, a phone number of a guy who knew about these things out in Midwest somewhere. And it was, <coughs> excuse me, it was very gratifying to see that uh, that spirit. Yeah.
1: Races, and- racers want to race, and 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 they don't want to race against nobody, um, and. and people are very generous and that's that's one of the cool things that i think is cool about racing in general but champ cars the the the, the people like that, that that do those things <coughs> that are willing to help you and do what they can
2: right yeah and with the, within our team i was just happy to see everyone on our team and meet some new people chris hebert and uh I'm trying to think anyone else but just just meet new people that come to the same goal and have understanding that sometimes when you make changes to a car or even if you don't like stuff happens and everyone was still really glad to be there and assist and help the car in any way, shape or form. And, uh, it's just a cool experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say like the thing is that, you know, we, we had quite a big crew there and I think that as terrible of a situation as it was and how like not fun, some parts of it were i think that everyone really made the best of it i think that when people could chip in and when people could help they did and and i think in general the the attitude was positive even though the overall the overall situation wasn't so positive i think at least i, I was trying to be as positive as possible you know <laughs> like trying to say like hey hey we're at least we're having it here we're at the track we're having fun you know we're, we're trying to work it out we're, you know, I think that in general the team atmosphere was, was good I think that it was I don't say that it was good that we had it but I think that it was sometimes you need that kind of adversity to push you and to motivate you more and I think that that adversity we experienced was was beneficial for us to you know go through an experience and and push us to you know, remember that it's not always a hundred percent. It's not always gonna be. You know, every day is amazing. Um, so
0: you're saying that this is a very uh, Calvinist Catholic experience. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> to remind yeah. Us, sure, to remind yeah. Us of The hardships of life. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but I, I, I was just really proud of um, the team and and everyone's attitude and and keeping everything moving and pitching them when they could. and
0: yeah. No, I agree. And that's something that, that we're still very proud of, having this team spirit of, as, as we've discussed the origins of the team. Like, we didn't know each other three years ago. And that we've come together and, and met through this shared appreciation of motorsport and still are able to face these adversity situations with a positive mental attitude. And, you know, people who are driving 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever... To these events where we don't turn a single lap are still not holding any sort of grudges or ill will They're i gotta camp arrested. and
2: grill out in the rain so <laughs> you were living I, your I had best a, life yeah. i i was having a blast i could have taken off all my clothes and ran out in the wilderness never been seen again and would have been well, you did completely point. happy <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah wouldn't be surprised uh, I, if i did
0: <laughs> there was one point when you just arrived in the paddock on friday uh, night And, you know, we were greeting each other and catching up, whatever. At one point, you just said, hey, who wants to grill? And I turned around, and (laughs) you had a grill open on the back of a pickup truck in the paddock with flames shooting out of it.
2: So you yelled at Shane several times. Hey, he's got the grill on, and there's flames coming out of the back of your truck.
0: I I, I think my exact words were, hey, Shane, your truck's on fire. (laughs) He
2: He thought you were joking. He said, ha, 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 yeah, sure it is. No, 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 (laughs) it was on fire. If you would have said Cofford lit your truck on fire, he would have believed you one hundred percent. This is why it's being specific is important, because yeah, no one's yeah. going to believe randomly your truck's on fire. But if someone says Alex put your truck on fire, eh, yeah, might be clear, a little bit more believable. concise
0: communication at the racetrack is very important. Yeah. This is what we're
2: learning. Um,
0: so yeah, it was uh, there's no no way to you know beat around the bush here. It was a very disappointing weekend. Yep. And you know what else was disappointing? What was else?
2: Uh, Monaco.
0: Monaco was disappointing. So yeah, on Sunday, not having much track time, we had a laptop up in the garage and we were watching the Grand Prix. So let's talk about the Grand Prix rather than Watkins Land.
1: I don't think it was disappointing. Tell but us why. I thought it was. I thought it was relatively. It wasn't like interesting in the most traditional sense like there's lots of action <laughs> lots of passing you know but in which way was it interesting i'm getting there Get, give me a chance i thought <laughs> well for for one watching lewis struggle on medium tires for like 75 laps or whatever it was while <laughs> max Verstappen was like run right off his rear wing i thought that was very interesting i i thought that that was an interesting battle i thought that the the max's uh, penalty brought it in, into you know an interesting thing. I think the whole Leclerc storyline made it interesting. Trying to get back up to the front, trying to make those aggressive passes in traffic against slower cars. Um, I think it was in general it was it, it's it wasn't like the worst race. I'm not saying that it was the best race, but I thought it was interesting and in that there that for Monaco especially it wasn't like you know a bore fest. I didn't think I so,
2: struggle. To find how it's interesting when the leader has got a truly trained growing and no one can pass anybody.
0: I think I think compelling is the word I would use. To okay, compelling. Race. Yeah, there you go. It was it was certainly compelling in that there were these multiple narrative strands that that you've intimated of the well, of the different drivers having their their own individual races and how they're impacting each other's.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with the individual side. I think as a whole, I was disappointed with. I just feel like Formula One at Monaco is two polar opposites, right? If it was something a lot slower with smaller cars, yeah, it makes sense. But let's face it, Formula One at Monaco is kind of a spectacle at this point. Um, there was some really cool stories, but one that I love the most is Williams not being the worst team.
0: Were they not? Are you sure? No.
2: uh, uh Alfa Romeo
0: yeah they didn't do well
2: they didn't do they did terrible they were (laughs) behind the Williams I could be on a pedal bike and probably beat the Williams they now there was some (laughs) incidents right I mean Stroll did Stroll things and hit everything and everyone in his way and Raikkonen was kind of caught up in that and then did you see the uh the four way right before they got into the tunnel that wreck yes the four way uh (laughs) But the, the wreck right before they got into the tunnel and they all kind of spun into a star. Um, and so there are certain things that um, Alfa Romeo was unfairly, like, it went against them. But they still got beat by Williams.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that car just wasn't suited to this track, I guess. Yeah. And Williams, for all, the, for all the, uh, the negative press that we've given them, as if they care what we're talking about. <laughs> but... You know, we've beaten up on them in the last couple of episodes. They're getting there. Like, they're still at the back of the field, but the gap's decreasing.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. Inch, you know, they're inch by inch.
0: And I will say, George Russell has impressed me this season. It's, I will agree with that. It's really not easy for him as a, as a, as a rookie driver who impressed the uniformity coming into a car that is obviously at a disadvantage to the rest of the field. But he has gotten his head down, he's been incredibly professional, and he's out-qualified and out-raced Robert Kubica every single weekend.
1: That's really been the surprise to me, is that every time I look at the timesheets, he's faster than Kubica. And I really did not expect that from, uh, you know, a, a rookie. Uh, and I, I, I guess maybe I... Overestimated Kubitz's abilities to come right back into Formula One after being away for a while and to be quick. Right, um, um, and we know that story. I mean, yes,
0: yeah. that's, that's a great story of courage and resolve to come back from that horrible accident, right, and
1: to, to regain a spot on the grid. I think I overestimated Kubitz, and I think I underestimated George because th- there's a clear gap there. Like, I, the, yeah, George is properly quick. In, in and a, he's, he's done phenomenally yeah. well
0: to be right. They, they, he's finished every race, and he's finished you know at the limit of the car's ability.
1: I would That's, love to see them get some point, like like a point this season. Yeah, I think that yeah, would be I that like would, a, I
0: think that would be a just reward. Yeah,
1: a successful season
2: for them. What would yeah. be their best chance? I'm trying to think of a of the of tracks a, coming
0: up. I mean,
2: it's got to be yeah. a street circuit where maybe a big wreck happens. I'm trying to Singapore maybe. Yeah
1: or a wet race a wet race yeah
2: correct yeah it's got to be something abnormal I don't think that they can break that top 15 without the
1: not, not on the with... alone I no. right no,
2: yeah no, so they need some luck the and they need some maybe a safety car to come out at the right time while it's raining and no. I, there's got to be something
0: if one of their drivers was to intentionally crash into the wall to trigger a safety car <laughs> wait that's been done before hasn't it just as long as you don't <laughs> fire said driver and then it gets angry <laughs>
1: Exactly. Oh, blabio, how we
0: miss
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
2: one thing that did kind of frustrate me was the week before there was testing at Barcelona. Yep. And guess which car was the fastest? Was it the Ferrari? No, it was the Mercedes. Oh. And um, the guy driving it, Nikita Mazepin was Ooh. the fastest, yeah, exactly. This is this is kind of getting <laughs> to my point. He was the fastest guy on track, which included Leclerc, Gasly, I mean, all the other main drivers. Yep. And he has not finished better than eighth place in Formula 2 this year. In his first, I, th- I believe it's his first year of Formula 2. And so it alludes to the fact that these cars are too easy to drive. And Lewis Hamilton came <laughs> out and said that. If, yeah. And multiple drivers said this. If a no-name Formula 2 driver that can't crack the top five can show up in a Mercedes and set the fastest laps, are these cars too easy to drive?
0: Now, obviously, we don't know the circumstances around that particular test, what fuel levels they were on, what tires they were on at that time. But, Before
2: you go farther, yep. if you take, let's say schumacher and late 90s
0: okay peak schumacher
2: yep and you put him in a car that's equivalent to a mid-pack car then and you put some no-name formula 2 driver in his car who would you put your money on the schumacher car or the schumacher driver
1: i put my money on the ferrari On the car, on the car. This
0: is the car. I I say the driver in the, in that in that late nineties very specific scenario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I I get the point here that yeah. the cars. I I'm not are... sure.
1: Too easy to drive is the word. I think that Mercedes has just found and they might be very easy to drive too. But I think that they've proven, especially at Monaco, that they have a power package that is very good so that even Lewis on very, very worn tires could hold off Max because every time they would get to a braking zone or corners, Max would close in, but as soon as they got to any sort of straight bit of tarmac, Lewis would just disappear. Yeah, um, and Lu- and
0: Lewis, Lewis was lucky in that respect because it was the front tires that were marginal. Right. his rear tires were absolutely perfect. Right. He, he was
2: also lucky that. in the fact that Verstappen was in the wrong engine mode and he didn't have full torque.
0: Really? I didn't know that.
2: Yes, it was God announced it the nice. day after that he had the wrong... I, I'm not sure if it was engine mode or fuel map or whatever, but he was running without 100% torque that entire race. So, Is that
0: not something they could have seen from the pit wall?
2: I don't know. I, I'm trying to pull it up right now to see what the actual um, explanation was. But at this point, you would assume... That people would figure it out or realize, like, wait, what? Why is why I are they, they pulling tally- away that much this fast?
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: That seems very yeah. So I mean, once again, that gets us back to our to our common theme. Which seems to be whenever we're discussing these these races in recent times, Mercedes execution. Once again, they didn't have the you know, they didn't make the best call for the tires for Lewis, but they still got him to the end of the race, and he still won.
1: Yeah, I think they were counting. I, I I think they were accounting for rain. I thought that they... They probably thought it was going to rain, and it, it never did, so they had to stick on the mediums. Um,
0: I mean, they, they put Valtteri on the hards. Yeah. To split their strategy. I think they were hedging their bets slightly in case of weather. They also... I think also from their testing on Thursday, they, they believed in the medium tire.
1: Well, um, I mean, obviously... Obviously it made it to the end, and it didn't explode, so... <laughs> You know. Right,
0: they they were right to in right, the end. Right, right. And, and you know they executed the race correctly. If and they won if the race. Lewis
1: hadn't won the race, we would have been criticizing like crazy. But he won the race, right. and so we're like. So we're not. So we're praising. Right, it. that's but the right these call. These are the fine <laughs> margins. These are the right. fine margins by which motorsport right, is exactly.
0: And time and again, this year and in the previous four years, Mercedes have proven that they are. The masters currently of executing a race weekend to their particular parameters.
1: Yeah, and Ferrari just every oh every race. What are they doing? It just it just gets worse and worse and worse. Like when you think it couldn't get worse, it does, and it's like, just.
0: So let's talk about qualifying at Monaco. That's the Q one. Yeah, we know qualifying. This is maybe the most important qualifying session of the season.
1: I yeah. would... Absolutely, yeah.
0: And you have one of your drivers who has shown tremendous pace in practice, you know, probably a front-row contender, and his time in Q1 in the first run is marginal, borderline, and you keep him in. Yep. Because your model says that probably the cars won't go faster. It just seems to be an overriding belief in your over common sense in your models over common sense
2: it yeah. was so piss poor that let's <laughs> that they almost threw away Vettel as well yeah. everyone's talking about Leclerc and don't get me wrong i need to apologize to all the formula 2 teams in the world because last <laughs> podcast i i said ferrari needs to quit acting like a formula 2 team and act like a champion no formula 2 team's going to pull that crap and mess it up as they always do this is worse than budget racing champ car. This is just absolutely terrible. Everyone in Ferrari in their strategy department needs to be removed. They need to bring in homeless people <laughs> off the street that can't read or write that are better wow. than them because this is it is so embarrassing to be the best, right? Not saying that they're the best, but in their mind, it is Ferrari or nothing. And you have two cars in the threat of... Getting out in Q1 and you only send out one, and he has to put in a really good lap just to get out, it is terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. All I'll say, and I've said it multiple times, this would never have happened under Ross Braun. Yeah.
2: This wouldn't happen under a homeless dude living on the street on crack.
1: (laughs) That is a hot take. There have been some hot takes. That's a very hot take. Fawcett,
2: would you say that's the hottest take we've had at the podcast?
1: It might be the hottest take we've had. (laughs) But, yeah, what? like, Vettel knocking out Leclerc, like, in Q, Q1. Q Like, just get the car. Th- yeah, it was abysmal. And credit to Charles for, like, you know, trying to make something happen from it. He made a really phenomenal pass early in the race. He tried to make the same pass again on one of the Haas's, and obviously it didn't go well. He clipped the barrier. And it didn't, it didn't but, work out. But, like, he would. He was put in
0: a he was put into an impossible yeah. situation by his team. I, I don't hold
2: on. I'm going back. <laughs> They're trying to save a set of tires, which is why they don't send Leclerc out. Mm-hmm. You're at Monaco. You're not going to do a three stopper. You have no. all the tires you need. It's what always purpose been a one-stop race. do you not? Here's a deal. You can throw Leclerc out there. Let him mess up and say you goofed. But now, instead, you have the CEO of Ferrari apologizing to this driver who's clearly been at odds several times with Ferrari F1 in general. Mm-hmm. It's is, it is just astronomical how poorly that they have ran these last couple races in regards to Leclerc. Yeah.
1: It, it, yeah, it's
2: just...
1: There's no excuse for it. No, there really isn't.
0: It has, they have to do better.
1: And and I was gonna say I don't I a lot of people I think would criticize um, Charles Leclerc for the way he drove on Sunday, but I, I, I can't I can't fault him for anything he did. Um, he drove as well as he could have given the circumstances, and and he stayed in long like as much floor damage as they sustained. Like I am surprised they even went back. Like he went back on track. Um, so I, I don't I don't blame him. You know, I'll agree for, with that for,
2: because we've seen just, Verstappen crash a lot yeah. in his early days, all the way up till this year, really. And we knew it was because he was pushing 100%. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's happening with Leclerc now, is if a driver is going to make a mistake, you want it to be because they're trying their hardest, not because they're unsure of what to hap- what's going to happen or or just they're kind of clueless. It's, it's him pushing a little bit too much or just being a little bit out of position. So... If a driver's going to make a mistake that cost the race, I, that's what
1: I want to see. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the other thing too with Ferrari is that Seb was like nowhere, like not, I guess not nowhere, but he was behind that battle. A right. Second, right? He, technically, <laughs> he was behind that battle forever, and he—I don't feel like he ever tried to pressure. Uh, Max, and to make a mistake, he never tried to get. But up he didn't and, need to. Yeah. It's almost like a it's a track that you can't pass on. Yeah.
0: And he knew Max had his five-second penalty. He did yeah. exactly what he needed to do, which was stay within five seconds of Max.
2: And plus, um, he was just waiting for Max to take out Lewis. Which, man, yeah. I was praying to multiple gods I don't believe in that that would happen. Uh, there, there I just want to see gain. all four of them just crash.
0: <laughs> yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing to be gained from Vettel engaging in that battle, like.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm
0: not. Right. I'm not I'm not as, as biggest fan. You all know that. Yeah. He he drove that race.
1: That was a points race for the him. O-
0: the the only way he could drive that race. Yeah,
1: that was like a points race. Like I'm gonna take second, take the points, move on to the next one. Um, and, and I really, and I'm not his biggest fan either. But Max is the best driver. I think this season. I think that he's he he's clearly shown very consistent pace. He's, obviously, we all know he's been making better decisions. He's been driving um, a lot more mature. And, and um, that drive in Monaco, I think, was was great and reserved, you know. He made one really good attempt into the chicane out of the tunnel, and it didn't work out. And But he, I mean, to sit seven-tenths off the back of Lewis Hamilton for, like, what was it, like 50 laps or something? Yep. that's impressive like to to stay that close to a car making that much aero wash like to and then granted you know monaco is not like a super aero dependent track but still like to be that close to another car for a long time without making a mistake is is impressive and uh, you know credit to where credit to you. like max did a, an excellent job i feel i honestly i I feel bad for him that his team released him into the side of Valtteri and that he had that penalty <laughs> because he definitely deserved second place or the win, I think, for the drive that he put in. But, you know. Race. But
0: equally, like, he, he would have been behind Valtteri. Had that yeah, right. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. So you can't, Valtteri wouldn't you can't say oh, what would have happened, but yeah.
0: Right. He, he wouldn't have been in the same position regardless.
2: Yeah. Okay, so right now Mercedes is ahead of Ferrari and Red Bull combined by eight points. <laughs> Do we think wow. that Ferrari and Red Bull combined and Williams? I'll even throw Williams in there. Do we think that those teams combined can beat Mercedes? Those
1: teams combined.
2: Do you think uh, they I'm could beat them in the I, championship? Yeah, constructor wise, Mercedes is ahead of Ferrari and Red Bull combined by eight points.
0: I'm going to say that. Like Mercedes cannot win
1: that.
0: Yeah. I, I just because they've had a very very strong start to the season, um, historically an unprecedented start to the season with those five one twos to begin with. No other team has done that before, and that trend will not continue in that in that same fashion. And I, it would
2: have been six one twos if Max didn't hit Valtteri.
0: <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. What do you mean? Um, maybe. Maybe I'm saying maybe. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened?
1: I Um, I, I think that um, as good as Mercedes is, I don't think they're bulletproof. And I think that, um, you know, obviously they're working on upgrades all the time. I heard uh, rumors of the new motor engine package, you know, coming soon too. So, you know, I think that they're they're not perfect. They're not going to have, everyone's got some reliability. Um, So I don't think that they could do it. Uh, we haven't seen we haven't seen the Mercedes unreliability
0: yet, but we know it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. do we? I, I think it will. I think it will. I think it will. I think, that... and I think it'll happen. Okay, here, here. are you ready for the second hottest <laughs> take of this <laughs> yeah, evening? I'm ready. Uh, a Ferrari's going to win next weekend. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say which Ferrari, uh, because that's a secret. Okay. But, oh boy.
1: <laughs> I think a Ferrari's going to win. That's a hot take because. Lewis is very good at Canada.
0: He is. He won his first ever Grand Prix there in two thousand and seven. Um, he has time and again proven, you know, he's stronger in that circuit. I'm saying his package is stronger in that circuit, big engine advantage. Yep. But it's also a race that is unpredictable, mechanically tough. Mm-hmm. Weather mm-hmm. is, you know, often a factor.
2: Speaking of which, I was lied to at Watkins Glen. Yeah,
1: I was lied to, too. (laughs) And I'm
2: very upset. So I actually take it back. Watkins Glen was a total disaster for me because of this lie. I was promised (laughs) rain at Monaco and that it was going to shake things up. Uh, Would anyone like to admit to the lies?
0: I I may have been the person that promised you rain (laughs) and said it's going to be a spicy race. I was promised a and, spicy race. And I, I will say this. If it had rained, it would have been spicy. Oh, it would have been <laughs> so good. It would have been great. It would have been awesome.
2: Those four um, all together and it just starts pouring, man, that would have been a blast. All right. It would have been great. It didn't
0: happen. I mean, you know, you're up there in the, the French Riviera, all those mountains and hills around the coast. Storms pop up and disappear. It's very difficult to yep. predict. So, I'm not, I'm not going <clears> to... <throat> blame anyone too much about that it's just a shame but i think canada you know we've seen wet races there in the past we've seen you know wind even wind having a factor down the back straight and qualifying in the race like Mm -hmm. this could be an interesting race and frankly i think ferrari are overdue a win i agree and i think you know either one of their drivers could get lucky this weekend and yep. if they do I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to change the trajectory of the championships for this season I think I think those are already pretty much set yeah um, yeah that 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 angers me to say that uh, from a from a spectator and an enthusiast point of view but I think it, it's the case but every race is its own unique challenge and I think it
1: could be a good race yeah I think um I don't know. It, it has produced some pretty wacky results in the past too, like the Jensen Button race. So um, that was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that Canada is a bit of a, um, a bit of a, it's wild, of a wild. Yeah, it's card. a bit of a wild card. Yeah. But we'll see. I, I'd love to see anyone else but Mercedes win. Like I'm not like anti Mercedes, but I definitely want to see someone else win. Like that's <laughs> one thousand. Just just for sure. just for interest, in right? Yeah, intrigues. Yes, State.
0: absolutely. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to set my stall out and say the Ferrari wins at
1: Canada. I'm going to say Max wins at Canada.
0: Okay. Ameneki Mercedes Ricardo.
2: is going to win by five laps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Mr. Cynical.
2: <laughs> and No, no, no. Uh, joke aside, I will say that uh, Bottas continues his domination of qualifying. I think that um, he's going to get it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I think Lewis is on a hot streak. He's had a good track. So Bottas qualifying, Hamilton um, second in qualifying, but inverse that for the win or for the race, I mean. And then I don't know. I'm trying to think if any of Formula One point five can really contend with Pierre or Leclerc or anyone like that. Uh
0: it's an engine engine track. Yeah, so those looking... big long straights. You'd be looking at, you know, the the Mercedes and the Ferrari Junior teams, potentially.
1: Yeah. So
2: Ferrari Junior team, Haas. Yeah, I'll take Haas uh, Haas and McLaren as 7-8. Okay. Okay.
0: All right we'll see we'll i look see. forward to it if it'll Gros- be interesting it'll if, be... if grosjean can actually finish a race that would be tremendous yeah. i didn't even. say that
2: <laughs> 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 he was doing he always does good all the way up to the point that he doesn't do
1: good he yeah, does great he all the way to the scene of the crash yeah. he's been doing well for the last 10
0: years or so and still not quite there yeah
1: but i'm, I'm looking forward to it canada is probably one of my favorite tracks on the the calendar i think it's a it's an interesting track, I so I think it'll we, be should a good go race. we should go next year. That we would be do a, a podcast great,
0: from from the event.
1: That would be a Montreal. <laughs> uh, Montreal is a beautiful city. It's very cool. I've been there. It's very nice. So we should definitely I, go. That's definitely on my bucket list. So I think uh, I might try to swing I, that. I would rather go see a race there than go to Coda. So I agree. <laughs> All right, that's I, I don't a deal. That's a deal. <laughs>
0: All right. So that's Canada Grand Prix coming up we will of course bring you uh, all the podcast hot takes from the results. Only the hottest Uh, Only the hottest takes as we've proven tonight. But I think uh, that's going to wrap it up for today Um, so thank you all for listening Um, and sorry once again for our disappointing news from the Champ Car weekend at Watkins Glen but stick with us we have plans to fix these things, we're going to be ready for Indy in just over a month's time And we hope to bring you better news from the Times at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Absolutely. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. I've been Tom Ellison. With me have been Andrew Fawcett. Good night. And Alex Cofford. Sleeps out. (laughs) And pressing the buttons in the booth has been Michael Derby, our producer. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and good night.